This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We're, we're talking, and I'm, I'm going to like to wrap this up tonight uh, on our change in control. And it's, it, we've been going in a direction where we've been talking about uh, controlling thoughts and, and controlling the thought processes and in our mind. I'll give you some scripture for that. So if you're brand new on this series, just, just stay with us. Of course, you can always download uh, any of our messages. They're all for free, and uh, you can download them. But uh, as we're talking about changing control, I want to talk a little bit tonight about the uh, transforming our mind. The Bible said, don't be conformed. I'll give you that scripture in a moment. It said, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll jump into this. Heavenly Father, we're grateful tonight that we have an opportunity to be here. That we have an opportunity to be together. That we have an opportunity to receive from your word. That we have an opportunity to worship you. It's a good night. And so, Father, tonight we thank you. I ask you that you would give me grace, Lord, that I can speak clearly, boldly, accurately, and give us all hearts to hear and understand, open ears, open minds. Show us wonderful things out of your, your word. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is the teacher, and he can reveal great things to us. I'll give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We were recapping last week. We talked, remember, we talked last week about the greatest conflict in our lives is what takes place often in the mental realm. And so the, the, some of the biggest battles you ever will ever fight are, are mentally dealing with things that, that weigh on you, the things that, that hurt. And so we have been given, we talked last week about we have been given his peace, but you have to enforce it. Sometimes it's a fight to keep that peace. Don't let that discourage you. It's just a, a function of the world that we're living in. We live in a world that says, you know, God has given us these things, but we still have to receive. And there's also the element that says, and, and some of it, you, you have to fight. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fallen place. There will come a day when we're living in a place where there's not resistance. There's darkness here. There's the, you know, Paul talked about, he talked about spiritual wickedness in, in high places. And so there's, to, to say there's no evil in the world is ridiculous. There is. To say that there's not darkness in the world. How many of you have ever been to a foreign country, maybe a country where the gospel was not well preached? Have you ever noticed the, the environment is really, really different? And you're thinking, boy, it's just, it just feels like there's so much darkness here. And so there is darkness in the world. And boy, sometimes you, you, you can really see it. And sometimes you can, we even see it in our own country. But the good news is, is we don't have to yield to the darkness. And that we don't have to have minds that are tormented by darkness. And that's a good thought. And if, if, if you've never heard that thought before, and I realize sometimes this, this kind of teaching is new, but it's, it's really something to get a hold of. Because you, you really want to grab a hold of the fact that you don't have to be tormented in your mind. You want to get over the fact, you want to, just, I say, embrace the fact that you don't have to be depressed. That if you've lived with depression or lived with just mental anguish or torment, and sometimes it's situational. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm talking about long term and I'm talking about situationally. That's not God's best for you. And so we want to be able to, to understand that, to grasp that, and then begin to resist the thoughts and resist the things that are not adding to our peace. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid. So one of, the, one of the biggest things that you have to buy into is the idea that I'm not a victim and that I do have the capacity 
to, to control the thoughts that are in my mind. And that's a, that's a good thought. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit tonight about different religions who believe this. And a philosophy that's going on right now that's, it's, that I've really seen the last few years that, that teaches this. But it, it's, it's, it's not something we have to be afraid of. We just have to take it and say, okay, I want to apply God's truth to this and see, and see how it makes sense. So I want to talk about the renewing process. And uh, I'm going to have to move through and make through some time. Romans 12, 2. Chris, I'm getting a little feedback here. I don't know if it's too loud out there or not, but it, it's feedbacking on me. Romans 12, 2 said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, that's a, that, that was written to believers, written to Christians. And said, don't be molded. And basically, it's when he said, don't be molded to how the, to the world operates. He said, but be transformed. So there's a transformation process. But the transformation process, he, he, even though he's writing this to Christians. And so what he's, what he's telling them is, hey, you may be a Christian. And, and many of you have discovered this. You made a, a genuine decision. You know in your heart, I made a decision for the Lord. I know that I'm a born again Christian. I know that. But why am I still having some of the very same problems that I had before I was a born-again Christian? Don't raise your hands. Just look straight ahead. And, don't, and remember, no elbows. You cannot nudge anybody. That's not fair. But the, but the bottom line is all of us deal with that. And so what we found out is that spiritually, we were, we were born again. We were renewed spiritually. We're, we're a new, you've, heard, you've, you've heard me quote this a lot. If anyone is in Christ, he is a... A new creation. Well, that's obviously not talking about on the outside. I got to kick out Joy. Joy came out of a background where she didn't, she didn't read her Bible much at all. And when she made the decision for the Lord, she was just so open-hearted. She was in college. She loved the Lord. She was so disappointed the day after she was born again when she woke up and her face was still broken out. <laughs> because she thought if she was a new creation, that there were the, the days of breakouts are over. And so, you know, now we're all chuckling, but hey, all of us have all kinds of thoughts when we got saved. And so, it's, and if you've been thinking, I thought I was a new, and listen, that's how the enemy works on people. He'll tell them, I'll see, you thought you were a new creation. Look at that. You still have, you still have pimples. You are not a new creation. Well, that's wrong. And so what we begin to learn is, hey, that a new creation means on the inside, and then it begins to work its way to the outside. And so that's what it, in fact, that's what it means when it says transformed. That's the same word that we get the word metamorphosis from. You know, you, you studied it in school, in one of the grades, remember they took a caterpillar, and they, it wrapped itself in a cocoon, and then it comes out as a butterfly. You might remember that? That's caterpillars to butterflies. But that's a metamorphosis, that's a transformation. So as a Christian, as a believer, we make decisions for the Lord. We, we, are, we become new creations. But Paul's writing, he say, listen, I'm glad that you're a new creation. That is so wonderful. But he said, if you want to not live and be patterned and live exactly like the world lives. And, and the, when he's talking about the world, he's talking about a system that does not acknowledge God. 
a system without God. If you want to live exactly, he said, if you don't want to live exactly that way, he said, you're going to have to be transformed, changed from the inside out. And he said, the key is the renewing of your mind. Now that word renew means you're not going to get a new brain. This is renewing the mind, which is your, your, your attitudes, your thoughts, and, and beginning to think differently. And actually that word renew means renovation. Now we renovated, last year we renovated, Joy and I renovated our home. We'd lived there for 19 years. We had done nothing to it. But we get all the kids gone. We're like, we're going to fix this place up. <laughs> and we renovated it. But here's, here's what they did. We, we didn't move any sheetrock, but we pulled out flooring and we pulled out counters. We still had Formica. I kept waiting for it to come back in style, but it never did. So we had Formica. How disappointing would it have been if when we came back in to see the renovation, we still had the same Formica countertops? Something, that's going to be a problem. And so they pulled those out and they put new countertops in. Look a whole lot better. So it's the same house but it got renovated. When you become a believer, you become a new person on the inside, but you got to do something with that house you're living in. And the Bible says you got to keep your body under and you need to do something with your mind. You got to renovate it, which means we start the process of pulling out old thoughts and putting in new thoughts. That's a good, that's a good way. It's like, thank God we don't have to think the way we used to. We could begin to think differently. And, and it's a, listen, this won't happen overnight, but it is a process. And here's the, and here's the great thing about this in the world, there is so much junk. There's perversion, there's negativity, there's just fear. There's, it's abounding. The Bible said, we don't have to live that way. We can be transformed. In other words, we don't have to live with the perversion, with the negativity, with all the fear by beginning to renew our mind. Isn't it good to know that you don't have to live dominated by fear anymore? That's good news. You say, well, Alan, I'm, I've been a Christian for years and I'm, I'm still afraid. Okay. But then you haven't renewed your mind to the fact that you don't have to be afraid. That you can begin to resist fear. Did I lose you there? You got quiet on me. <laughs> so again, you're starting to look at life going, I don't have to. Well, Alan, you go for years, my whole family. It's just fear. I mean, mama's afraid. Her, her mama's afraid. All of my aunts are, and uncles, they're all afraid. We're just a fearful family. That's just what we do. We do fear. It's like, well, are you tired of it? Would you like a different way? Because the Bible said God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And he said, we don't haven't received the spirit of adopt. We haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We've received the spirit of adoption. You got adopted into a brand new family. And in your new family, your heavenly father is not afraid of anything. And neither is his Holy Spirit who lives in you. He is not timid and afraid. He is a spirit of power and love and sound mind. That's good. That would be good news. for you personally, but you're going to have to renew your minds to that. So the, the world, and I just want to take a moment, the world and other religions make an attempt to deal with the mind. I think it's fascinating that if you deal with other religions and you deal with some just of the new age stuff that's out there, they are very intent on, on changing the way that you think and controlling thoughts. 
How many of you just have recently read something or heard something about that you need to meditate or mindfulness? Has anyone heard that? You know, there are corporations that give lessons in mindfulness. And they give lessons in meditation. You say, well, is that wrong? Here's the the thought process behind it is meditation is is the training of the mind. If you just Google it, it's, it's funny what comes up. If you Google it, a lot of references will be made to Buddhism. Because Buddhism deals with looking for an inner peace and inner calm. The, the challenge is so many people want peace and calm. And so the idea is with meditation is it's controlling thoughts. Now they have a couple of different kinds. One is they call concentration meditations. It's focusing on a single point where you might focus on a candle or focus on a gong repeating, or focus on a mantra that you repeat over and over again. Alan, are you suggesting we do this? No, I'm going to give you God's way, which is better, is better, is better. It's not having to focus on on a, a gong. I don't want to hear a gong go off over and over and over again. I've heard some people's phones. I don't want to hear a gong. And so this idea of concentration meditation, the other one is mindfulness. Mindfulness, uh, and all of it deals with you being aware of you and being in the moment and being aware of who you are. Now, here's the deal. Again, what they're trying to do is, and they found that there are benefits from controlling thoughts. Because if you've got thoughts that are going all over the place, to control thoughts and to bring calm, peaceful thoughts is better than thinking wild, crazy thoughts. And so they found their benefits to that. Here's what I want to, here's the contrast. All of meditation and mindfulness and all of that stuff is all about an awareness of you. It's it's man-centered. But there is biblical meditation. And it creates an awareness of God. It's God-centered. So I don't want to just look at my thoughts as, as someone would like, they'd like, step back and observe your thoughts. I don't want to do that. I want to focus my thoughts on God's thoughts. And he's given us his word and his word function, it gives us his thoughts. So what happens is when you meditate and the Bible talks about it a lot, it says to meditate. So don't think that meditation, in fact, you know, all the pictures I have of people, you know, standing like this, I guess that's some kind of yoga position. I don't suggest you need to do that. I suggest you can meditate just going down the road. In fact, in Psalms, I'm going to, care, I'm going to jump on you, but on, on Psalms 119.97, it says, oh, how I love your law. And to talk about God's word, it is my meditation all the day. So the idea that the Bible has is, in fact, God told this to Joshua. He said, don't let this word depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. So he told Joshua to, to, to do it all day. You, you're thinking to yourself, I, I can't think on God's word all day. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a disturbing thought that you thought on all day? I've had a thought that just maybe somebody said something to you. And you just, and you have a conversation with, with the person, you know, and you're ordering something at Chick-fil-A. And you, and you order whatever you're going to order, Chick-fil-A, and on the, drive, on the way you're driving around to pick your food up, you're thinking about what they said. And then you pick your food up, you, you smile, and you pay the person, and you walk away, and you're still thinking about what they said. 
and you go to work and, and, and yeah, yeah, you focus on something at work and then you have a quiet moment and what comes back to your mind? What they said. And so all of us have done that. Or maybe you've worried about something all day. I know maybe no one in here, but maybe someone that you know has worried all day long. How many know that you, if you worry all day long, you've taken one thought and you've worked it all day long? Y'all are, y'all look so innocent tonight. Like not us. Oh no. Yeah, it happens. He said, you're, he said, but I, I love your word. He said, your word's my meditation all the day. Carrie, if you go ahead and put up uh, Philippians 4, 8, Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and in Philippians 4, 8, he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So he gave us a laundry list of things to meditate on. Now, don't get caught up with meditating. Like, Alan, I, I work a job. I can't meditate all day. I can't sit in my cubicle and go, hmm, and meditate. No, I got that. No one's asking you to sit in your cubicle and go, hmm, and meditate. But you can take one scripture and you can think of one scripture during the course of the day. You can think of one good thought and it tells you what to think and what not to think. If it's not true, have you ever thought about something that wasn't even true? Somebody looked at you funny and you thought, what's their problem? They know I've gained weight. Yeah. Well, just because... Just because you don't have to work hard not to gain weight doesn't mean the rest of us have it that way. You just must think you're something else because you can't gain and, but, and just because And just because you don't have to worry about it doesn't mean the rest of us don't have to fight. Some of us really have a struggle with this and we really have to deal with this. And who do you think you are anyway? No, you've never done that. I, I talked to you about that time that lady left the church. She said, you looked at me funny. I would have looked at you funny. I don't even remember seeing you. I could have had a gastronomic disturbance in me when you walked across my field of vision. But see, what happens is you're now thinking about something that's not even true. Is it true? That's why I gave us a laundry list. And this is where you have to learn to catch thoughts or you can run with them all day long. Oh, yes. So, let me, let, can I give you just some, some, good, some good meditation thoughts? And you, you can just think about this. Real simple stuff. And you can, just, you can take a thought and think about it. Here, here's one. We're going to take them right out of Psalms 118. Here's the first one. God is really good. Psalms 118.1. Look at this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. You know, you could, you could take that thought. And just run with it all day. Now, meditation can be a time where you sit down, you're quiet, and in your, in your prayer time, you're waiting on the Lord. You can just take that thought. You can repeat that verse. You can pray that verse. You can talk to the Lord. And, and you can have a focus time. But then you get up. you got to run. you got stuff to do. But you can take that verse and kind of run it through your head all day. And you, you, can be walking, you can be walking around Walmart going, Lord, I want to thank you that you are good. And your mercy endures forever. The Lord, the Lord is good. What are you doing? You're putting thoughts of life in you. Hey, listen, all of us, all of us have done this. We've all thought thoughts that have hurt us. Why not think something that helps us?
I, when I grew when I grew up, I hated um, I hated um, horror movies. Never liked them, hated them, because they scared me. And uh, I didn't like to watch them. And you know, often you know you, you get the situation where you know I, I would see them. I even like trailers sometimes that come on television. I'm like, for that stuff. Oftentimes, you're, you're, you go around and you're not aware of stuff. But have you ever been, to, I've told you many times about being camping and a guy starting to talk to us about um, a ghost story. I don't know what it is about Baptists going to camp telling ghost stories, scaring the daylights out of people, but I, I guess somewhere it's in the Baptist mantra that scare daylights out of kids. And we would go to, we would go to camp and we would be having a great time, especially when you're about 10, 10 11 years old. And when you're still in the He-Man Women Haters Club, you know, you just don't, you're not even thinking about women. There's no women around. You don't care. You're just a guy. You're 10 years old. You're having a great time. Someone gets around the campfire. You start looking at the campfire. You've been laughing, singing, telling, telling jokes, singing songs, having a great time, eating s'mores till they're about to run out your mouth. And somebody tells a ghost story. And if they're good at telling a ghost story, you just watch it. You just watch these little 10-year-old boys. And you go from smiling and happy to... <laughs> then they kind of start looking down. Something snaps all over there and you think, oh, gosh. And you hear something else and you're jumping. And we had a guy that could tell ghost stories. I think that was his gift. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, really, could you have used your gift some other way? But he had this deep voice and he told these ghost stories. Scared the daylights out of us. Only time... Only time you see a 10-year-old boy go and stand up and go, I'm going to the bathroom. Three guys go, we'll go with you. Because <laughs> guys don't do that. What happened? How could, how could you go from happy laughing and having a wonderful time to all of a sudden being afraid to go to the bathroom by yourself? Because something in, in your head changed. And you went from thinking, how can I get another s'more? To there's a ghost that's trying to kill me. And it causes fear. True? How many of you ever watched a scary movie and then been afraid to drive down the street? Because you know the guy with the chainsaw has got to be around the corner. True? Is that right? So that's a graphic thing that gets in our mind. But you realize it doesn't, it doesn't take just graphic things to get in our mind. It could be the negative things. It can be the thoughts that says God isn't good to you. But he doesn't love you. So why don't we replace it? with give thanks to the Lord because he's good and his mercy endures forever. You can take that one and say, well, I believe God's good. You got another one for me? Yeah, I got another one for you. Try this one. How about this one? God will answer me. God will answer me. Psalms 118.5 says, I called on the Lord in distress and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. You know, be, you, could, you could take that verse and say, Lord, I want to thank you. I can call on you and you answer me. It's a wonderful song. I got, I got a couple more. You want a couple more? How about this one? The Lord is for me. Well, there's, there's a good thought. The Lord's on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. Man, that's a good verse right there. It's like, Lord, thank you. The Lord is for me. 
And you can take that thought and you can think that. You're walking to class, some of your students. You're walking to class, you got a lot of things on your mind. You can just take that thought and say, Lord, I want to thank you, you're for me. You're for me. Because you know what the enemy tells you? He tells you God's not for you. He tells you God doesn't care about you, that you don't matter to him. And that's so wrong because the Lord is for you. He's on your side. But maybe that's a thought that you're going to have to replace. Maybe someone told you growing up that God's angry at you. He's mad at you. If you don't do all this and you don't wear the right clothes, you don't do the right things, God is really ticked off at you. And if you think those thoughts, does that impact your relationship with him? Yes, it does. And so you can get another thought. God's for me. I got another one. You want another one? Here we go. How about this one? I like this one. The Lord is helping me. Psalms 118, 13 to 14. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Man, have you ever, been, ever felt like you've been pushed in life? That something just pushed you, the pressures are pushing you, stuff is pushing you, and you just feel like the enemy's pushing and things are pushing? It's like, Lord, you might have pushed me violently. I might have stumbled, but I did not fall because the Lord is helping me. He is my help. Now, listen, these are thoughts that you can take and you can make them your own because the Bible's not written just for David's benefit. It's inspired for us and it gives us a perspective. And so we could, we could go through our whole day Begin to go, Lord, I want to thank you that you're for me. They made a put, you're my helper. You're helping me. You love me, you're helping me. Joy and I will say a lot around our home. The Lord's good to us. He's helping us. Boy, isn't that, isn't that better than thinking, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to go under. Things are bad. I don't know that they're ever going to get better. Isn't it better just to, to say, Lord's good to us. He's, he's helping us. I might have gotten pushed. Thank God I did not fall because the Lord helped me. And the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. What a good thought. Lord, you're my strength and song. So meditation, renewing the mind, is we, we begin to replace thoughts that are wrong with thoughts that are good. You know, if you grew up in a home maybe where um, you had a difficult relationship with your parents, or maybe you had an abusive People have grown up in, in very tough things. And it, don't act like it didn't impact us because it did. And so one of the things that we have to do, instead of just going on, so many people treat God like their parents treated them. And, you know, Joy and I have often talked about this. If she was blessed to have a, um, a, a stepfather in her life who was just really, really good to her. And so for Joy, it was an easy jump to make that belief that God would be really good to her. But if you had a, a parent or maybe a father who was, who was absent or who was abusive or who abandoned, then you're going to have to renew your minds to your heavenly father who really loves you and is really good to you. And sometimes you, you, just, you don't realize that you've adopted that thought. But this is the, benef the benefit of reading the scriptures and meditating the scriptures it, become, it becomes the filter and you begin to catch thoughts and begin to go, that's not right. That's a wrong thought. My heavenly father loves me. I'm not abandoned by God. 
He's not disappointed with me. He's not disgusted with me. He loves me. He's helping me. Now, I've talked to Christians for years. I've been doing this for a while. I, I really think what I just shared was so simple, but it's so profound. And it's something I would love to hear coming out of the mouths of believers more than I do. But too often, you get the impression that God, you know, I don't know. he's out there. Maybe he, maybe he loves you, but me, I'm not sure. And the thing about it is that's wrong because the scriptures say he is no respecter of persons. The world we live in is a respecter of persons. If you're Tom Brady, they think you're wonderful. If you're not, you're not. And so in the world who looks at you as either you have it or you don't, we tend to think of ourselves along the same line. Some got it and some don't, and I don't, and God knows it, and I I just hope I make it to heaven when I die. Well, guys, I want to tell you something. God has a much better plan for your life right here, right now. But part of that is you're going to have to be open to that, and you're going to have to receive him as a good heavenly father who loves you. And don't think that you're alone. If you've had thoughts, you're like, I don't know if my thoughts have been real good. Listen, all of us have to renew our minds in certain areas. All of us. No one's exempt. And you may see someone else and you might think they have it so much easier than I do. Their life is charmed. Everything works out wonderfully. They still have to deal with stuff too. All of us do. Thank God we have his word and his spirit that enables us to think differently, to live differently, to control how we think, and we can think his thoughts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this, this time. We're thankful, Lord, that you love us, that you care, that you're good to us, that you're merciful to us, that you're on our side, that you will help us, and life may push us, but we are not alone. We are not standing alone. We walk with you. Thank you, Lord, that you will answer us when we pray. And then when we pray, Lord, you, you help us in that area. So, Father, thank you that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And thank you, you've given us your word, which gives us your thoughts. And we can trade them in for our thoughts, which are a lot of times of no good. But, Father, thank you, your thoughts are always good and they have life in them. And we give you all the praise for that. Set your bow and eyes are closed. One of the greatest thoughts that you will ever take into your life is the idea that Jesus loved you and gave his life for you on the cross. But he didn't just die. God raised him from the dead three days later that you might have a relationship with him. Tonight, if you're here and you say, Alan, I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord, but I want to be sure. Or maybe you, were, you walked with him at one time, but you got so far away and you know you're away but you want to come, you want to come back. You want to come home. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and I'm going to ask you to come to the front, but I am going to ask you to just do one thing. If that's you that I'm talking to, either one of those situations applies to you and you would like our prayers. Would you just shoot your hand up real quick across this auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All the way in the back, in the front. Great. Anybody else? Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Thank you. Great. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to, and you thought you missed your chance, this is still a prayer of the heart. I encourage you just to pray this with us. We're going to pray it out loud. We're all going to pray it with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. 
I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as our Lord and my Savior. as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Now, Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. That, Father, they have walked out of darkness into your marvelous light. What a wonderful change. What an eternal change. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.